Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. Martin Show coming away live, KSHB Studios here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, 107.1 FM and also AM 1400. Find us streaming on the World Wide Web at the TCMartinShow.com. A lot of great content on that website, of course, uh, all kinds of uh, past interviews, content galore from the TC Martin Show. The Doctor is in Sacramento this weekend, getting set for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame festivities, which he is emceeing along with uh, being, I believe he's a co-founder also of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. So uh, TC busy back there in central NoCal for the weekend, but he'll be back on Monday. I'm Chris Wynn in for him today. Myself, Jose Volante, held down the fort yesterday, live in studio with our guy, Justin Numchuck Chuck here also as we get you set for the weekend, folks, all kinds of stuff going down. Uh, there'll be a lot of college basketball action going on this weekend. The NBA, NHL, all-star festivities are underway in Toronto. As uh, the Vegas Golden Knights here locally will not have a representative. Jack Eichel was elected to the all-star game, but he is injured, so he'll not be there and uh, participating. So no Vegas Golden Knights. Kind of strange that uh, you have a Stanley Cup champion with no NHL All-Star representatives the following season, but that happens to be the case. So they still will have their fun there in the capital. It's not the capital of Canada, but it is, uh, you know, the mecca of, uh, of Canada. That is Toronto and the NHL All-Star festivities. Fun show planned today. A lot going down. I've got the two Bryans. Brian Salbin, sports director from News 3, our NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas, going to talk some UNLV basketball, going to break down a little bit of Super Bowl action, right, because it is uh, on the horizon, folks. We are just a matter of a couple of days away from Media Day and uh, all all things that are about to take place here in Vegas, which will be the center of the football world for the next seven to eight days up until Super Bowl 58. Of course, between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll get his take 
on what is about to go down here in Vegas and uh, the two teams and break that all down too as well. Also, Brian Feldman's going to join us from Out of Line, longtime host here on KSHP, also on a number of shows and uh, going to talk uh, some Ve- some Vegas sports with him. Is maybe maybe we'll reminisce a little bit about the championship games with Brian, uh, but the door is is basically closed as far as that's concerned for us Detroit Lions fans and of course those Baltimore Raven faithful out there as well so loaded show should be a lot of fun as we get you set for your weekend didn't really want to start with this but uh some sad news right in uh the world of entertainment and uh and sports entertainment because we love it when uh those of us who are sports fans those of us who are in the sports media those of us who are fans period love it when there is a confluence of sports and entertainment. And that's the case when you're talking about the likes of the Rocky series, right? The Rocky films from 1976 uh, up until now, essentially, because with the extension of the Creed uh, entrance as far as the uh, movies that have taken place. Well, sad news uh Took place on Tuesday. Carl Weathers passed away at the age of 76. Longtime actor, of course, the uh, most well-known as the boxer Apollo Creed in the Rocky series in the first four films, I believe from 1976 until 1985. He was in those movies. Of course, he was in a bunch of other things as well, too. Uh, was part of the Star Wars series that uh, went on, especially on the television side of things. With the Mandalorian, he was also in the movie Predator and and, and uh, a number of television and film projects. Uh, Carl Weathers also noted also as a former football player, former actual Raider, member of the Silver and Black uh, in the NFL, had a short career in the NFL as a linebacker. So uh, it is a true uh, combination of sports entertainment and uh, sad to hear about the passing of Carl Weathers. This is a guy who uh, also was uh, well known for his philanthropy off uh, off screen and uh, in his private life. So uh, he'll be missed by by many and uh, very entertaining, a, a, a comedy that I was a big fan of. Of course, uh, you know, Happy Gilmore. You know, you had Carl Weathers, who was uh, who was uh, was good in that movie too, and showed his versatility a little bit. Right? It wasn't just all about drama with Carl Weathers as far as his film roles. He could he could partake in a little comedy with Adam Sandler there in that uh, in that golf comedy flick. Grandma wants me to be happy. Shut up, Happy. Don't feel bad about me. I got my hand back, see? We've only just begun to live white lace and promises. A kiss for luck and we're on our Rest in peace, Carl Weathers. Showing the versatility there, Numchuck, with uh, the singing voice as well, too. Uh, an actor who uh, had, had many talents, without question. And uh, he uh, showcased his uh, voice acting as well, too, when it came to the the Mandalorian series. And also, uh, he was, you know, when it came to comedy, he was also in the comedy series Arrested Development, too, back in 2004 and, th- and 2013. So, uh, 
yeah, rest in peace uh, to Carl Weathers, who passes away at the age of 76, uh, former San Diego State Aztec. And, of course, as I mentioned, played for the Raiders as well as the BC Lions in the Canadian Football League as well, too. So, I mean, you're not going to find many people that are going to argue when you're talking about the biggest sports movies of all time, right? And uh, and and most uh, impactful. A Rocky, it doesn't get much better than Rocky And back in 1976. I mean, it just, that, that movie was just unbelievable. And, of course, uh, it spurned a, a number of sequels that have, again, like I pointed out, has turned into the Creed franchise, which is, uh, you know, a lot of the younger people nowadays will be more familiar with. But uh, Carl Weathers passing away at the age of 76. So there's uh, no question that uh, the football world is about to engulf and, uh, and is about to swarm onto Las Vegas, folks. It's going to be wild. The first time ever in the history of Vegas that the Super Bowl is going to be here. I got to tell you, as somebody who's been in the sports media here in town for well over a decade since basically 2010, even going back to then, which isn't even that lo- that long ago, really, there the, the idea that we'd be playing a Super Bowl in Las Vegas was so far-fetched and so absurd and so crazy and so much lunacy that it was unthinkable. It really was. Just because of the animosity that existed between the NFL at that time and, of course, with, uh, you know, with the whole gaming industry and all things gambling, period, and everything that Las Vegas back there supposedly was supposed to represent, it is kind of extraordinary that we're sitting here in 2024 and we're about to, we're just a matter of days away. And what's, what's crazy and kind of hilarious is that it seems like it snuck up on us. Like, it, it seems like it was something that uh, it felt like it was announced years ago. And now all of a sudden it uh it is right here upon us and it's about to become a reality. And you kind of got that moment, haven't you out there, Las Vegas, when it comes to sports things happening in this town? They it almost seems like they snuck up on us. Those championships, right? Those two Las Vegas Aces championships, they snuck up on us. That first Stanley Cup championship for the Vegas Golden Knights kind of snuck up on us, right? Can't say that about the UNLV win because that was back in 1990. I was not here. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I I know what the feel and what the vibe was in this town back when the Run Rebels won the national championship. But I can imagine it was ecstasy and it was a, kind of a point of validation for Vegas on the sports scene because of that happening back then. But this is going to be another one of those moments. You kind of got that moment back in 2007, a little bit with the 2007 NBA All-Star Game being here. That was the first time it was ever played here. Um, and look, as someone who worked in the service industry back then and was well aware of kind of the issues that were on the Las Vegas Strip surrounding that weekend, it still didn't take away from the, the bigness of the moment of having the NBA here for an all-star weekend, and it just seeming like it being the perfect place to have that, right? Because especially an all-star weekend like that, Vegas is about entertainment. It's about having big moments. It's about being a host to the world, essentially, for things like that. So that was kind of cool, even though there were some issues when it came to on the Las Vegas Strip and uh, some of the restaurants, bars, and entertainment venues 
That being said, this is going to be another one of those big moments. Now, look, I get it. A lot of Las Vegas locals are saying, yeah, Chris, but what about uh, the aggravation that we're facing when it comes to road closures and construction and all the stuff going on? Yeah, I get it. All right. Yes, there are some things that are bothersome for those of us Las Vegas locals that have to deal with in the ramp up to what's about to take place here for the next week plus leading up to the big game on Sunday between Kansas City and San Francisco. I get it. But at the same time, I think what's going to outweigh that is the spotlight on Vegas, right? And the fact that it's not just going to be the United States. When it comes to the Super Bowl, this is a global event, all right? Uh, Am I going to put it on par with the likes of maybe a World Cup or something like that? Okay, let's calm down. Maybe not that. But it's damn close, especially given that it's one game on one day on Super Bowl Sunday. So it's going to be a huge deal, obviously. Um, I'm going to be very intrigued to see exactly what the response is with respect to uh, what goes on in town for the whole week. Now, look, have we had bumps in the road in the past when it comes to players and issues and things like that? Yeah, occasionally we do, right? Occasionally players will step out of line, run into some issues, run into some developing situations. It's happened in the past. Obviously, everyone remembers Barrett Robbins back in 2002. Everybody remembers Robinson, the uh, defensive back from the Atlanta Falcons. I believe that was down in Miami where he ran into some legal issues with respect to uh, prostitution. Things like that. I get it. That stuff goes down. Now, look, as Jose and I talked about on the show yesterday, though, and Nunchuck, how do we get, how do we get your take on this? As, as, as both Mr. Volante and I talked about yesterday on the show, they're taking every step, both of these teams and the NFL, to make sure that they can avoid any developing situations, as Bill Pito used to say. They're going overboard. Happening. Yeah. The whole not stepping both, on a casino floor. Exactly. Not uh, having both teams basically outside of nowhere, Vegas. Nowhere near a casino. Nowhere near any of the festivities that are going to be going on yeah. for the better part of seven to eight days, right? So that's the right move, right? Um, it, is it going to put a damper as far as like the players, as far as the the whole uh, taking advantage of the uh, the party atmosphere, right? Or you know, uh, uh, maybe the festivities going yeah. on. I guess, but at the end of the day, I think it outweighs, and it's probably better off for the both teams. That that's the situation that they're going to be in, right? I would have almost like if they're if they want to go somewhere, ask permission. Right. Almost, you know, hey, treat them as a kid. You want to go to dinner? Okay, get a signed permission slip. You can you can walk on the floor there. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That I mean, that's what I would have done. And you you can expect that uh, you know the NFL has dotted every I. And crossed every T when it comes to this yeah. because they do not want a situation that transpires where something else off the field outshines the what's going to about to transpire on the field in the NFL, right, as far as the Super Bowl. So they want that to be the focus, as you can expect. And so that's why I think a lot of precautions are being taken. But uh, it's, it's about ready to go down, folks. Uh, and I'm going to be interested from media day. To, you know, every day in practice, obviously the uh, 
again, everybody knows that I'm a Detroit Lions fan, so it would have been great to see my Detroit Lions here and get a chance to go over to the Fertitta Center and watch that practice every day, getting ramping up to the Super Bowl. But uh, you'll see the uh, the NFC champion, uh, San Francisco 49ers, will be practicing day in and day out at the Fertitta Center there at UNLV. Uh, state-of-the-art, uh, one of the finest uh, college facilities you'll find in the country. And uh, so they'll be practicing there. And then you'll have the AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs, which I'm sure makes all of you uh, Ra- all of you in Raider Nation and uh, fans of the Silver and Black very happy to know that the Kansas City Chiefs will be practicing at the Oak at the uh, I almost said Oakland Raiders at the uh, Las Vegas Raiders practice facility in Henderson, Nevada. So uh, that, that's got to feel so AFC, good to them. AFC West rival Numchuck is going to be practicing so every day at the Raiders facility. How how do they not put the NFC team at the Raiders facility? You know, even not knowing that Kansas City, I mean, even, you know, obviously they didn't know Kansas City was going to be here for that. But why would you, I, I don't Controversy. know, that, to me, that's, you, you uh, have yeah, to, it's set up. That's a little bit strange, but that's the way it's going down. You're going to have, you're going to have a, you're going to have uh, the players for Chiefs Kingdom uh, in the facility of the silver and black. I just repeated like four times. I'm sure just infuriated all you Raider fans out there. It's fine. So, uh, yeah, a lot of that going on all week long. So uh, we're going to talk about that, uh, the impact. And uh, we're going to talk about the actual game, too, with both Brian Salvin and Brian Feldman as far as uh, break down the numbers, of course, from a betting angle as well, too, uh, as uh, the Raiders and, uh, excuse me, the uh, Chiefs and the uh, 49ers get set for Super Bowl 58. Uh, News off the field when it comes to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. More additions as far as their coaching staff. Cliff Kingsbury brought in. Breaking news. TC Martin Show fans out there. Coaching staff addition by two when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders. I mentioned Cliff Kingsbury, former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, also head coach of uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Now the offensive coordinator with the Las Vegas Raiders, a guy known for a uh, you know basically an air raid type offense. We'll see how that works out with this Raiders team. Look, they've got pieces, no question about it. Uh, if they're able to retain Josh Jacobs, right? If they're uh, Devontae Adams looks like he's going to be in the mix. And uh, we'll see what they do at the quarterback position in the draft. But it uh, should be interesting to see exactly what Cliff Kingsbury brings to the table when it comes to the Raiders offensively. Also, Deshaun uh, uh, Foster has brought in as well, too, as a running backs coach. He's been uh, with UCLA on and off, I believe, for the past uh, decade plus. So, uh, interesting to bring in uh, Deshaun Foster also on the offensive side of the ball. So, we'll see how that all shakes out. In, uh, in addition, of course, to, uh, as we mentioned, Jose and I yesterday, Marvin Lewis in the mix uh, from a coaching standpoint for the Raiders. So, um, that's pretty much the big news when it comes to uh, the silver and black when it comes to this offseason right now. Um, but, again, looking at this matchup, You've got the Niners, San Francisco, a team that's been there many times, but it was many times back in the 80s and 90s. Last time they won a Super Bowl, 1994, they knocked off the then San Diego Chargers, where they basically just uh, waxed them in that Super Bowl. Uh, They were clearly the best team in the NFL that year. They ended up getting a championship. But uh, much like the Dallas Cowboys, you know, there's been a kind of a feel of, oh, you know, we haven't been able to get over the hump. Now, they did get to a Super Bowl, obviously, in 2012, where they lost to the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco and has, uh, that team knocked off San Francisco. Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback of that team. But so they have been to the Super Bowl more recently than the Dallas Cowboys, but there still is kind of a feel in San Francisco of, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Let's see if we can get off the schneid. 
and get a win. Not exactly the case when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a Chiefs team that uh, won the Super Bowl a year ago. Uh, They've been to the Super Bowl numerous times just in the past five years. Multiple Super Bowl championships. Pat Mahomes leading the way. And Travis Kelsey questions as to whether or not he could possibly retire. I guess there's a possibility. I can't bring myself to believe it just yet. I still think he has a lot left in the tank if he wants to play. But uh, I'm not going to try to get into Travis's head. Look, he's got a lot going on. Of course, there is the whole element surrounding the Super Bowl also, that is the, you know, the Taylor Swift effect and how this is going to all play out. This is going to be fun, too, because there's not going to be a whole lot of discussion or, you know, substantive discussion leading up to the game because she's not going to be here. She's going to be on tour. She's going to be here. In the Far East. Yeah, she's not going to be here uh, pregame, uh, though. Yeah, pregame, no. She's not going to be here, like, during the week. So there's not going to be some, you know, circus or spectacle about her. Because there's really nothing to talk about. She's on tour, right? She'll be in the Far East in Japan, I believe, uh, leading up until, the, I believe, the day before. Day the night before she has a concert. And they're going to have to do some funky things, right? With uh, airspace, I believe, too, right? They're going to have to make some exceptions for her, I believe, if she's going to fly in. Because she, is, she has a private char- uh, charter for her tour. Yeah. And uh, I believe there's airspace re- restrictions when it comes to a Super Bowl. And being at Legion Stadium has uh, is a certain distance from the airport. I believe there may be some difficulties with respect to getting her in here because I don't because I think they don't they're not going to be allowing plans to to land or take off you know in a certain time frame around the Super Bowl. I don't know exactly what the details are. I'm just throwing that out there. I, I expect that she's going to be here for the game. No, okay? dr- there is a no drone zone. Yeah, a no drone zone, and uh, they call it like a level one security yeah. type event is what they call the Super Bowl. So we'll see exactly uh, what ends up transpiring with her and and when she gets to the game. I, I suspect she'll be here Sunday for the game next Sunday. And then, uh, you know, the cameras will do their due diligence and probably be panning to her whenever there's uh, of a Kansas City celebration. And we'll see how that all goes down. There'll probably be props as to, as far as that goes. Um, but it does send up, a, you know, it, it does set up a, an intriguing scenario, right, in which, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey... Does he or does he not retire if they win the Super Bowl? You know, is there some kind of impromptu, I don't know, wedding proposal to, to Taylor Swift after the game? It's all it's all kind of fluff stuff that the Swifties are all fired up about. I don't want to get the Swifties mad, okay? But, like, I'm sure there's a whole a bunch of ideas out there of what could happen if the perfect script presents itself in which the Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl and Travis decides to roll off into the sunset. Which, interestingly, would be before his brother, Jason, who a lot of people, Numbchuck, thought was going to retire this, uh, you know, and this season. He basically, and said it, he basically said it, that he was going to retire. Exactly. And then he pulled a little switcheroo. I think he pulled a switcheroo because I think he wants to do Travis, Jason, same team. I think he wants to go Wait, to KC. You, you think that's something that could, could I, end up happening? Think about it. I mean, that would be... The best way to go out, and then they go both out. They both go out and win a Super Bowl their last year. I could absolutely see some type of yeah. No one's really scenario lining up like that. Wow, Uh, Travis, he's beloved in Philadelphia, though, man. I don't know. 
He's he's dedicated his whole career to that he's to that organization. Dedi- he's dedicated. His he's life. got a Super Bowl yeah. there. He's got his own kind of legacy there. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's that, is it that now. Look, I don't know about you, Numchuck, and about you, TC Martin Show uh, listeners out there. I'm a huge fan of their podcast. Right, the podcast the podcast is, is, is monstrous. It's awesome. They talk about a lot of different topics, but I I've never really heard them really discuss a possibility of actually playing together. No, though. but I think. I, I'm guaranteeing you it's in the back of both their minds right now. Since they, I mean, they both played together at Cincinnati, obviously, yeah. but in college. But I, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really heard any desire from either one of them. Oh yeah, we, we it would be great for us to uh, to link up on the back end of our careers and, and get a chance to uh, to go out there and suit up together. Uh, that, it, but it would be interesting, no doubt, if that did play out. But right now, one of them is in the Super Bowl, and one of them is uh, absolutely laser-focused on getting a championship and getting yet another ring. And uh, we'll see if the Kansas City Chiefs can do that. Numchuck. Uh, on, the Nin- on the Niners' side of things, look, this is a quality football team. You don't see it a lot of times where a team that doesn't have a spectacular quarterback ends up winning a Super Bowl. Yes, there are uh, you know, a handful of cases the Trent Dilfers, the uh, you know the the Mark Rippins with Washington. Obviously, we remember Jeff Hostetler with the Giants. Um, there are a couple situations in which football teams are carried by every other aspect of their team and win a Super Bowl. But for the most part, for the most part, folks. It's a top-notch type of quarterback. It's a guy that's a top-10 quarterback, a top-15 quarterback, then ends up leading your team to a Super Bowl. All right? And this is uh, going to be a rarity. If if Brock Purdy... First of all, A, he's 24 years old, right? The guy's barely got his feet wet in the NFL. And if he goes out there and wins the Super Bowl, it's going to be great for the Niners, the Niners, their fans, everybody. It's gonna be, but it's going to be... It's going to be big time for Brock Purdy and his resume if the Niners are able to cap off the season with a Super Bowl ring because Brock Purdy's still way, way early on in his career. And he's still a guy that's still kind of pro- going to try to prove some things as far as being a, you know, a, uh, a franchise NFL quarterback. There's still a lot of us out there that don't think of Brock Purdy as a franchise guy, right? As, as, you don't think of him in the same lens as, as come on now. You don't think of him in the same lens as, as a Josh Allen or a, or a Pat Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or even a Matthew Stafford, right? You don't think of him like in, the, in, that, in, that, in that light. I guarantee you, all of us, especially non-49er fans, which there are millions of us, okay, look at him and we say, you know what? I, I'm not going to sit here and call him a, you know, a, a game manager because that's nonsense. All right, but I still think he's got a lot to prove. I still think that he is someone that uh, ha- ha- has a right to have a chip on his shoulder and is going to go into this game thinking like he's an underdog, even though the Niners are not underdogs. And that's the mentality he's going to have going into this big game. And it's the right mentality to have. Now, look, make no mistake about it, folks. He's got weapons, right? Christian McCaffrey, best running back in the in the NFL right now, probably. All right. When you're talking about Ayuk, when you're talking about George Kittle, when you're talking about Debo Samuel, will probably be healthy because it's two weeks out, right? So his shoulder will be able to, to to heal up a bit. He should be fine and ready to roll for the Super Bowl. Make no mistake about it. They have weapons on this team. Defensively, they're formidable as well. So it's not going to be 
Uh, look, unless Brock Purdy goes out there and throws for like 400 yards and three touchdowns in the game and is clearly the best player on the field, it's not going to be looked at like the Niners won a Super Bowl and they were just riding Brock, Brock Purdy's coattails. That's not what is going to happen. So I expect a highly competitive Super Bowl. Obviously, the line already reflects that it's expected to be a competitive Super Bowl, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see exactly what shakes down. We'll take our first break. When we come back, Brian Salmon's going to join us. News 3 Sports Director. We've got a lot going out at Vegas about to be on tap here in town. Uh, going to talk some UNLV basketball as well, too, as uh, the Runner Rebels, they knock off Fresno State on Tuesday. They'll take on the Wyoming Cow- Cowboys tomorrow night. We'll get his perspective on all things UNLV Runner Rebels, plus uh, get uh, B. Sal's take on the Super Bowl and uh, what's about to happen here in Vegas. This is the T.C. Martin Show coming away live here on KSHP, the airwaves here in Las Vegas, 107.1 FM, also 1400 AM, streaming on the World Wide Web at www.thetcmartinshow.com. We'll be back right after this. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The Doctor is now in. Yeah, Spider-Man and Freezing full effect. You ready, Ron? I'm ready. BBD thought it was me. Friday edition of the TC March Show coming away live from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. The studios of KSHB. AM 1400, 107.1 FM is streaming on the World Wide Web at www.thetcmartinshow.com. The doctor is up in Sacramento. Is it up or is it just over in Sacramento? Because it's basically straight west, right? Sacramento from here? No. It's, it, maybe a little bit it's, north. It's north. It is. But uh, the founder of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, he's taking care of the festivities there. He'll be there all weekend long. So uh, myself, Jose Vellante, holding down the fort for the last couple of days. T.C. Martin back on Monday with a special edition show, I believe. He's going to have uh, some features on some of those Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers. So uh, good to have T.C. over there back in Sacramento uh, in his old homestead hanging out for the weekend. But we're holding down fine right here in Las Vegas as we get set. And uh, a little BBD never hurt anybody. And it's always great to have one of our favorites here on... The Horn. He is the sports anchor from KSNV News 3 here in Las Vegas. Brian Salad joining us here on the T.C. Martin Show. B-Sal, always a good time, my friend. We get a chance to chop it up with you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. My man, C-Win. You got the poison in the background. C-Win taking over T.C. Now get TC out of here. I'm playing. I'm like, What's I'm like, on, a, I'll so make sure out. I record I'm that going, and show it to him. I'm like a, I'm like a 1991 uh, top 40 DJ up in here right now, right? I get, I get the voiceover talking over a little, uh, you know, Belle Bib DeVoe uh, on the airwaves. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling those nostalgic, Mr. Salmon, for my college days right now with uh, this pumping in the background. <laughs> oh yeah, man, that's that's good music right there, man. I got none. Numbshuck, man, he always he brings me in correctly. That that's one of that's my uh, my walkout song for the radio. <laughs> and it should be one of your walkout walkout songs uh, when it comes to uh, your boxing career, sir. You're not you're not you're, you're you're not you're not afraid to get in the squared circle lately, my friend. So maybe that maybe that's a tune that should be cranking. You know when uh, when you start right. when you start high stepping into the ring. <laughs> you know what, man? Just bringing that up, yeah. it just immediately made me think. 
of Apollo Creed. Exactly. You, you yeah. What? Are, yeah. So, yeah. so, so, Brian, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm, I can imagine that you're probably you probably were a fan of the Rocky movies, of course. Uh, even even a lot of some of the comedy stuff that uh, Carl Weathers uh, had in, has engaged in his entire career. I want to get your uh, your quick thought on uh, the passing of Carl Weathers at 76. Yeah, that's sad, man. That's sad. And, and looking at him, he's around my dad's age, or he was around my dad's age. Yep. You know what I mean? He was, I think, three years older than my pop. Man, it's just sad. He was a uh, he was definitely an iconic dude for us, man. You know what I mean? Like, I saw some more videos of him today in the ring. I'm like, good lord, man! If if I ever could I ever look like that in my life, man. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like he he, he was uh, he was a guy that's believable, right? Like a lot of times, sometimes when it comes to actors, they they get in a position where. Uh, you know, and no disrespect to Robert De Niro when it came to Raging Bull or some some other actors where they end up playing athletes. Sometimes it's not necessarily believable. That was not the case, right? With Apollo Creed, you're talking about a guy that was, you know, an Oakland Raider, right? A guy that was a BC Lion, a guy that was a football player, and so it was not far fresh, was it? Wasn't it, Brian, to see him in that role of Apollo Creed in the Rocky films? <laughs> Oh no, he looked. I thought he was a real boxer, especially when you're young like that. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know that he was a former football player. I'm just thinking that he's a he's a boxer. I mean, he he looks so he looks so believable. I remember thinking about how he threw his combinations and just how smooth his hands were. Even now, looking back at it, man, like he was he was that dude, man. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm. He's one to be missed, man. He he definitely did his thing as an athlete and as an actor. Um, seemed like he was a good brother. I just saw him. He was at one of the Raider games a while back. You know, once a Raider, always a Raider. I saw him down on the sideline. I didn't get a chance to take a picture with him or, or shake his hand or anything like that. But I remember looking like, man, he's still in good shape. And I was like, man, that's, that's, that's Carl Weathers, man. That's dang Apollo Creed. I was, uh, I was like a little kid, man. <laughs> no question about it. It's a great segue, right? Because uh, we're about to talk some football, right, Brian? Because uh, the entire football world, the entire sports universe, quite frankly, is about to embark on Las Vegas for the first time ever, right, uh, Mr. Salvat? We're going to have the Super Bowl here in town. Obviously, the uh, the much hated for the silver and black fans, uh, Kansas City Chiefs getting set to take on the, uh, their former Bay Area uh, rivals in, uh, in the San Francisco 49ers. In the Super Bowl, have to get your initial thoughts first of all of uh, about what's about to transpire right here in Las Vegas. It's all going to be basically started off with uh, media day, and then uh, it's going to end up uh, turning into uh, what I expect is going to be an uh, interesting spectacle to say the least. That is uh, the handful of days leading up to the big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. How crazy is that? The fact that. <laughs> Coming to Las Vegas, the first Super Bowl they have in Las Vegas, the two teams that are playing are the two most hated rivals of the day, Raiders. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, oh, my God, that's wild, man. It's uh, yeah, Next week is going to be something else, man. Um, please tell me you got a credential and you're going to be over there. I'm going to be bouncing around to a lot of the daytime stuff, yes. I am, I'm, uh, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be, uh, be able to uh, 
to weasel a credential for game day for the actual Super Bowl because uh, there's a few people that are a little bit higher on the totem pole, uh, B. Sal, than, than C. Win, yeah. but uh, definitely going to be floating around to some of the events as, as far as it's concerned. And uh, I, I, as you know, I host a lot of shows here in town, so I'll be as for Radio Row. I'll definitely be active as well too. But uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be just kind of fun to watch, right, Brian? From a just from a standpoint of seeing how we receive what's about to happen. Obviously, you're going to have an influx of you know San Francisco 49er fans and Kansas City Chiefs fans, Chiefs Kingdom, and the Niners fans are going to be out in force. But there's just going to be football fans around all week long as well too, and it's going to be something that's going to be extremely unique that, quite frankly, we have not seen in the Las Vegas Valley ever. Yeah, no, that is going to be that's going to be bananas. I mean, uh, first, I'll just say this right off the top: mm-hmm. the fact that Tropicana. The, did you know that the um, the X on and off ramp is fixed? Did you I, know that? Yeah, well, I, I knew that they were making some changes over there. I already, I already saw some clips of uh, Hacienda being shut down because of uh, some of the stuff going on over there. So I know it. I know it's good. I know it. Let's put it this way, B. Sal. I know it's going to be hell to pay and difficult to be rolling around that end of the strip for the next, you know, six to seven to eight days without question. Yeah. But no, but I'm, I'm like, I'm shocked the fact that, you know, they, what do they call it? Drop a can or whatever. The, you know, they, uh, the on and off ramp for, to getting, off at Tropicana have been closed like the last year. I drove by there last night. It's open. So, I mean, to me, the fact that the Super Bowl is here, that's the best benefit right off the top. Yeah. <laughs> that you, can, uh, you can get on and off at Tropicana. So, like, that's dope. But then when it comes to everything that's going on as far as, you know, the media day, like you said, on, on Monday, that's going to be crazy. Um, I, I don't know if you've been to a Super Bowl before, but usually media days like on Wednesday – you know, have it, you know, have, um, you know, the opportunity to get out there. And if you see, like, the the Mexican Spanish media asking crazy questions and got guys dancing and putting on costumes and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's, that'll be, uh, that'll be different, the fact they're having it on Monday. Um, but I'm looking forward to it, man. We'll, we'll see what it's like. We'll see what it's like. Yeah, and to your point, uh, I have not covered a Super Bowl, but I have been to one. I went. I, I, not, I wasn't inside. I didn't go to the game, but I was. I was outside, floating around, and uh, we were partaking in the festivities, B. Sal, so to speak, when it came to that Baltimore Ravens New York Giants Super Bowl back in 2000. That's right. That That's Baltimore right. Ravens defense. Uh, Baltimore Ravens defense just dominated that uh, New York Giants team, and uh, I was there in Tampa. It was uh, quite the scene, my friend. You are. Someone I'm sure you've been down to Tampa before, so I I, I think you're yeah, no, no, well. we talked about this, yeah. The so, but that's the one Super Bowl I bet you I have that's there. I haven't been to any other one yet, and I haven't been, I haven't even been in town when there has been a Super Bowl going on. So this is going to be my second Super Bowl in which I'll be on the fringes at least, where I'll be uh, able to kind of enjoy about what's uh, about what's going to take place with respect to this game coming up uh, a week from Sunday. Yeah, no, it'll be something else, man. The, I mean, all the media stuff is cool. You know, it's whatever. It's it's not a whole lot. It's not a whole lot different than just like regular media stuff. Yeah. Um. You know, if you've been to like the NHL All Star, you know, maybe sometimes they'll have guys on little um little uh, miniature podiums where you can walk around and talk to them. Um. Ever since uh, COVID, I haven't been to a Super Bowl. So before that, guys would just be walking around on like the field. You just go up and talk to whoever you want to talk to. So we'll we'll see what that's going to end up being like. I, I don't know. It, it, as far as work is concerned, there's just so much going on, and yep. they try to spread you so thin. I just can't wait for the actual kickoff. You can just 
exhale and actually watch the game. Brian Salmon, KSNV News 3 sports anchor, joining us here on the TC Martin Show. You can follow him at Brian News 3 LV on X, formerly Twitter. And you can also catch him weeknights and also weekends as well, too. Does some great shows himself and Jesse Merrick uh, when it comes to all things sports in Las Vegas. Talking about uh, Super Bowl 58, about to transpire just a little over a week away. Uh, about the game, B-Sal, uh, you got a matchup, two quality football teams, obviously. The San Francisco 49ers knock off the Detroit Lions, a uh, monstrous comeback in the second half to uh, to capture the NFC title. And then, of course, uh, Kansas City uh, surprising some people a little bit uh, going into Baltimore and getting a win against the Ravens. So now the Chiefs, uh, which they seem like they've been in a Super Bowl almost every year, right, for the past five years, uh, you got a matchup between these two teams. Also an intriguing matchup when it comes to the quarterbacks, right? you got a guy in Patrick Mahomes, mostly considered, uh, if not the best quarterback in the game right now, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And then you've got Brock Purdy, right? The young guy coming in there, 24 years old, looking to establish himself among the big dogs in the NFL. It's going to, intri- uh, it's going to uh, introduce an intriguing matchup, to say the least, between these two teams coming up in this matchup uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, no, the, the matchup is great, man. It seems like you're right, man. Chiefs are there every year. Purdy against Mahomes. This is an opportunity for Purdy to start his legend, so to speak, you know what I mean? And it's an opportunity for Mahomes and Andy Reid to submit their dynasty as being the next Brady and Belichick, right? So, um, I mean, it's big, especially the fact they can go back-to-back for the first time since, I don't know, I don't care remember when. It was like 20-something years or whatever that they've gone back-to-back. Um, I don't even know who was it. Did the Patriots ever go back-to-back? I don't even know if they ever went back-to-back. Yeah, they? top of so, head, I, I, I want to believe they must have, right? When you, win, what, yeah. when you win seven rings, I want to think that they maybe did go back-to-back, but I'm not entirely positive. On that, but uh, let's just let's just agree that they were dominant, right, over uh, an extended period of time. Did we lose Brian? Did we lose him? We might have lost uh, B. Sal. A little technical difficulty. Oh no, oh, we got you. We got you back. We, we thought we thought you lost you for a second. We got you. Yeah, but I'm not entirely. I'm not entirely positive. Oh, okay, so they did go back to back. B. Sal, oh three and oh four. The Patriots won back to back Super Bowls. Oh wow! So, okay, yeah. so what? Twenty one years ago. Yep. Um, was the last time they they did that? Um, try it again. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm walking around Best Buy. No, right no now. worries. No worries at all. Yeah. So it's so there's there's no question that look if the Kansas City Chiefs end up winning this Super Bowl, we're going to be talking about. We already look. To be honest, we're already talking about them like they're a dynasty. We're already we already kind of acknowledge that they're a dynasty type team, but uh, it, it'll just put one more bullet in the uh, in the holster, right? If they do win the Super Bowl, it'll just be uh, more acknowledgement that uh, this was a successful era when it comes to the NFL, and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs will be talked about as uh, as one of the great teams of all time. No, you got to talk about the Chiefs as being a dynasty, man. Like, I mean, they they really have done it, but they have to win. They have to win. You can't lose. You can't lose. Well, I guess you could lose two games, but they're not going to get back there as many times as uh, as you wouldn't think they'd get back there as many times as Brady and Belichick did. You know what I mean? So, um, it's going to be, in my opinion, I think this is a very important Super Bowl for them because if they win it again, you know, it's a a combination that's going back to back for the first time in like. 20-something years, and 
he's on his way. What that'll be his third Super Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I, I'm really interested to see how things turn out for him. And on the flip side, right, with the San Francisco 49ers, this is a team that, uh, you know, basically in the last three, four years has kind of established themselves as one of the better teams in the NFC. But I think it's a, it would be some validation, right, for the likes of someone like a, a Kyle Shanahan, right? And, uh, of course, uh, you know, a lot of those veteran players, particularly on defense, would be able to, uh, uh, you know, be able to say that on their resume that they have a Super Bowl win, too. But I think I, I would think for the most part, uh, from a uh, from a cachet standpoint, it's probably going to be best for someone like a Kyle Shanahan if San Francisco is able to, uh, to to win this football game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, they, if San Francisco won the Super Bowl, it'd be similar to when the when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl and they beat the Rams. Remember how heavily favored the Rams were with the greatest show on turf, and Brady was like a young guy, so you know he wasn't he wasn't proven or anything like that. It'd be a huge upset, so maybe it could be the beginning of something with Shanahan and Purdy. You know, so it, it's um because you you would think Purdy's young, he's super young. Shanahan's young. It could be the start of of their dynasty. So I mean, it, it's really going to be um it could be a changing of the guard, and it could be a uh, cementing of a legacy. So it's it's really really interesting, like the storylines behind it, man. Like you got you know young guys who've never done it. And guys who have done uh, done it a few times, you know, four out of the last five Super Bowls for the Chiefs to be there is crazy. Our guest is Brian Salmon from News Three here in Las Vegas, outstanding sports anchor, joining us talking some Super Bowl, and uh, also want to switch gears too, talk some UNLV basketball with you, Brian. You and I we had a chance to cover the game uh, Tuesday as uh, Fresno State went down seventy eight sixty nine. The final there, UNLV gets the win, back to back victories after a uh, it's safe to say disappointing loss to the uh, Air Force Falcons in a game uh, a week ago Tuesday, in which uh, Air Force just basically <laughs> lambasted UNLV in that game. So right now the Run Rebels sitting basically uh, at 500 in the conference, uh, middle of the road, seventh in the conference right now. But uh, there's kind of a you know there's kind of a you know a handful of teams right there muddled in the middle of the conference as uh, UNLV is smack dab in the in uh, in the middle of their uh, Mountain West Conference schedule right now. Uh, just got to get your impressions. There's a lot of it seems to me, B Sal, a lot of Jekyll and Hyde in my opinion when it comes to this Run Rebel basketball team as of late. Uh, they they have games in which they're uh, impressive and then they have games where it's uh, clearly uh, it feels like they take a step back. Your thoughts when it comes to uh, the Run Rebels as they get set to take on the Wyoming Cowboys tomorrow night. Man, my thought on the running Rebels are the Lady Rebels are really good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <terrible. laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know what? I, I I couldn't really agree with you more the fact that how Jekyll and Hyde they are, yeah. how the team seems to have good talent, um, but I, I don't know. Like They don't perform at the highest of levels. And one thing is for certain, guys like – Webster, who's not actually playing anymore because he had gotten injured, he was their three-point threat. They don't have for like the what the third year in a row. They don't have a guy on the on the court that's just a flamethrower. Yeah, you can't be in college basketball nowadays, man, and not have somebody who's a dead-eye three-point shooter. You got somebody's got it. You should have at least two, but you, you got to have at least one guy that the other team's like, man, you cannot leave this dude. It helps stretch out the floor because anytime you're getting the kind of technical, but anytime UNLV, you know, they're playing, you can't drive and kick. You know, guys don't have driving lanes because there's too much help defense because they don't have to stay 
connected to anybody at the three-point line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, man. It, it, it's disappointing because we both know what UNLV running rebel basketball was and what it should be and what it is not now. And to your point, as far as the flamethrower on the on this team, you would expect it would be maybe someone like a Luis Rodriguez, right? Who on yeah. Tuesday night, I mean, he didn't have a great game. He was five at twelve from the field. He did score twelve points, and they did get the win. But I th- a big part of the win was the the Boone brothers. I mean, uh, you know, you got Keelan out there with a double double and fifteen and thirteen, and you got uh, you know Caleb going for twenty one. I mean, they were they were monstrous in that game for them. But, I mean, if you look at this team, obviously uh, Webb is out, Justin Webster. But, like, uh, you, you, if, you, if you're going to have a guy that's going to be a scorer, right, that's going to be kind of a, a guy that you can count on for those double digits game in and game out. Exactly. You would think it would be a Luis Rodriguez or, you know, a, or a Jackie Johnson or, or maybe a Webster. It just hasn't really transpired that way. It hasn't worked out that way. Uh, I love DJ Thomas. I love from a talent standpoint and, uh, you, you, and what he brings to the table. And he's a guy that's emerging, I think, as a player that could be a, a top point guard in the Mountain West. But, uh, you know, look, he's still kind of in a developmental type stage. And Whaley, look, Whaley seems like an X factor at times. But, uh, you know, again, he wasn't exactly explosive either on Tuesday night. So I just think they have a lot of question marks with this team. And uh, that's a tough spot to be in if you're Kevin Kruger, right? And this coaching staff where you get the feel that you're just not getting the most out of some of these, uh, out of uh, out of the situation that, that you want to when it comes to this running Rebel basketball team. Yeah, man. It, it's, um, it would be frustrating if you're a coach. And do you, how, do you see it getting better? Rodriguez is a senior. He's out of there. I'm pretty sure at least one of the Boone brothers are. I know they're twins, but I think one has more more eligibility than the other. I'm not right. sure if they're yeah. both if they're both seniors. But you know what? All you have is DJ. You know what I mean? Yep. Coming back next year. Um. So I I think for Kevin Kruger, he really needs to to try to get his team to make a run in this tournament, just to kind of solidify the program a little bit more, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing is for certain, they're definitely that team, like that Jekyll and Hockey, they're a team that they can beat anybody any particular time. Like they, they should have they should have two wins over top 25 teams right now. They should really have three. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is surprising, right, when you see them knock off the likes of a team like a Creighton, and then, you know, and then a matter of a handful of days later, they just get absolutely lambasted by the likes of Air Force, right? I mean, that's just, that is the epitome of Jekyll and Hyde, if you, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and, I mean, how about the Utah State game? Yeah. Like, to me, that's a win. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a win in, in my eyes. But Utah State at the time, what, they weren't they ranked uh, 15, 16, something like that? They, they were in the, the top, top 20. 20. Yes, they were. Yeah, at, the, at that particular time. And then they go to Boise State. And beat them after they had the longest home winning streak, I believe, in the country at that point. Yeah, no question. You know, about so it. yeah, it's they've got some. Like they they have some good, and they should have beat Colorado State. They, at the very end of the game, the Colorado State has been that they haven't been able to compete with, and they rarely are able to compete with them in San Diego State. We know that how they have their number over the years, historically, and everything else. But every other team in the conference, I think UNLV can beat, and every team knows that they can beat them. We'll see if they'll get to a point where they're consistent 
and they play like that top-level consistent basketball. You can catch him weeknights on uh, KSNV News 3 here in Las Vegas, also on the weekends. Uh, he, along with Jesse Merrick and uh, over there at Channel 3, do a tremendous job. Uh, B-Sal, we really appreciate you spending some time on a Friday. Have a great weekend, my friend. Hey, catch up on some sleep, sir, because uh, you may need it, given the fact that uh, there's a little bit going on in the next uh, week plus here in Las Vegas that, uh, that uh, you're going to be dealing with, my friend. Wait, wait, is there a Golden Ice game or something? What the heck is going on here next week? I don't <laughs> I appreciate it, C. Win, man. Thanks for having me on, man. It, like I said, man, anytime you need me, man, I'll, I'll try to be there for you, buddy. Absolutely, man. Have a great Friday. We'll talk to you again soon, okay, B. Sal? All right, C. Win. Be good. Yeah. There you go. Brian Salbert. Host, News 3 here in Las Vegas. Yeah, you point out, Vegas Golden Knights, Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday. So right in the middle of all, all the Super Bowl festivities going on, Golden Knights get back in action after the All-Star break. So, yeah, there's going to be a game going on then. UNLV is going to have some games as well, too, next week. Uh, they're playing Wyoming tomorrow night, 5 o'clock tip, over the Thomas and Mac, taking on the Cowboys in a Mountain West tilt there as well, too. So one hour down, folks. One more to go. Joining us next, Brian Felder from Out of the Line. Going to talk uh, some more UNLV basketball. I'm going to get his take of the Super Bowl as well, too. Maybe we'll reminisce about the NFC Championship game just for a quick minute or so. Uh, get his take on the Lions and uh, moving forward. Much more on the way. The T.C. Martin Show coming away live. www.tcmartinshow.com. Streaming on the World Wide Web. Also find us here on the airwaves of KSHP AM 1400, 107.1 FM. Hour number two on the way. Stick with us, folks. from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. The T.C. Martin Show coming live on a Friday edition, getting you set for your weekend here at the studios of KSHP, AF 1400, 107.1 FM. Streaming live at the TCMartinShow.com. Monday through Friday, 2 to 4, folks. Uh, if you miss any part of this show or any show, go to the TCMartinShow.com out of the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page and hear from our great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at TCMartinShow.com. Also, don't forget, 
Come by and say hi to TC and the guys when he's in town. You'll see the show live every Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. at the Superbook of the Westgate, Las Vegas, the world's largest sports book, home of the giant 4K video wall. Watch the games in comfort in a non-smoking environment. The world-famous Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas, home of the TC Martin Show on Fridays. Two to four. I'm Chris Wynn in for the doctor. T.C. Martin, the founder of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, has festivities going down this weekend up there in Sacramento. So he'll be there. He'll be back on Monday. So myself, along with our uh, esteemed producer, Justin Numchuck Chuck, holding down the fort here in studio on a Friday. It is about ready to ramp up here in Vegas, folks. Super Bowl 58, uh, a little over a week away. Uh, you've got all kinds of action on the college basketball front, as well as the NHL All-Star Weekend encompassing in Toronto. Of course, uh, a lot of NBA action and beyond. And to join us to talk uh, all things sports, we love chopping up with this guy. He's one of our favorites. Host of Out of Line over on Fox Sports Radio on Sundays, 8 to 9 a.m. He also hosts a number of shows around Las Vegas, including shows here at KSHP. Brian Feldman, the host of uh, Out of Line, joining us here on the show on the T.C. Martin Show. Brian, we really appreciate you spending some time. What is going down, my friend? Oh, you know, Chris, just uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl, recovering from one of the worst uh, defeats the Detroit Lions have ever taken, and, uh, you know, we got, some, we got UNLV basketball tomorrow, man. Never stops here in Vegas. And those of you know, uh, listeners of the T.C. Martin Show are well aware that uh, Chris Wynn, myself, is a Detroit Lions fan, as is Brian Feldman, both of us native Michiganders, and yes, I, we'd be remiss, Brian, not to get a quick take on uh, the NFC Championship game. Obviously, you and I extremely distressed at the result and what took place in that game, but uh, do you feel like it's justified for uh, not just Lions fans, not just for us, but for football fans out there to have an optimistic viewpoint and to think, you know what, yes, the Lions did blow that game. Yes, you might be able to say that the Lions choked the game away. Yes, you might be able to say that Dan Campbell made absolutely ridiculous blunders on fourth down. But it's also uh, it's also fair to say that the Lions are on the upswing, and there's reason for optimism in Detroit when it comes to the Lions, Brian Feldman. Yeah, you know, Chris, I mean, I, it sucks because I'm the bad guy, wrong guy to be talking to about it because I'm so emotionally invested in the Detroit Lions. As you know, I worked for the radio network in Detroit for, uh, you know, about four or five seasons. Uh, my son's middle name is Sanders. I mean, so I, I'm heartbroken. I mean, that's the best way to say it. But to say that you shouldn't be optimistic, of course, everyone should be optimistic. This team is the best Lions team. I'll say it right now that I've seen in my lifetime. No, they don't have Barry Sanders. No, they don't have Calvin Johnson or Matthew Stafford. But this team is a team of unity, and it is built from the bottom up, or I should say from the ground up with draft picks over the past three years. I don't know that I have seen, Chris, a team utilize draft picks uh, better than the Detroit Lions have in the past three years. And I've got to give that to Brad Holmes and to, to Dan Campbell for really doing their homework and putting some really good players in place and creating a really good environment in Detroit. It's the best atmosphere I've seen. As you know, I, I covered both uh, the game against the Rams and the Buccaneers in Detroit. I got to say, in all my years of living in Detroit, and I was there for the better part of 42 years, 
Um, I've never seen the city like this. The closest thing I had seen it to like that was probably in 84 when the Tigers won the World Series in the famous Bless You Boys season. But, yes, I think we should be optimistic. The only thing I do, Chris, it's the NFL, which, you know, jokingly stands for not for long. And I err on the side of caution because the average career of an NFL player is 3.1 season, and injuries probably play more of a role in the NFL than any other sport. And that's simple. There's 22 starters that you count on, including a kicker, a punter and a long snapper that's 25 guys that you got to keep healthy it's almost impossible to do that in the season in an NFL season and it all depends on who are the guys that that get unhealthy somebody like Penny Sewell and uh, and a guy like Aiden Hutchinson if both those guys went down in the same season that completely changes the outlook of this team and that is what people need to be concerned about but if everyone stays healthy going forward and Dan Campbell can quit showing the world how big his stones are I think the outlook for this team is very bright. And an aspect of this too, right, Brian? And not to, to harp on the negative, but I will I need to point this out, right? There is an at, there is a feeling here of what could have been, right? It's it's almost like it's a combination of things. What could have been and also the the reality that this might never happen again, right? Or that it's very difficult for it to happen again, or that it's not easy to get back there. All those things kind of encompass what Lions fans and even fans who aren't fans, uh, like hardcore Lions fans, just NFL fans that were rooting for the Lions, were kind of feeling on that Sunday. was like, look, you know, it's not easy to get to an NFC championship game. The, you know, the Lions have made that clearly evident. They, the last time they were there was, you know, back in 1991. So, like, there, there's, there, there's a combination of feelings, my friend, where, you know, it was... Uh, how, how could we choke that game away? And also, you know, oh my gosh, like we had an opportunity here slip through our fingers where we could have gone to a Super Bowl and now uh, it's all for it's all it, it, the chances are gone and we could possibly never get back there again. Yeah, you know, Chris, I mean, there's one of the oldest cliches around in life in general when you're trying to forge ahead is strike while the iron is hot. Sunday afternoon, the iron was blazing, and I feel that Dan Campbell put it in a bucket of cold water. And as you mentioned, the only other time the Lions made it to the NFC Championship game, the 1991 season, culminating with a, a playoff win against Dallas in January of 1992, and then, of course, one of the biggest losses uh you know, ever in, you know, in the championship game against the, at that time, the Washington Redskins. And, um, you know, none of us will ever forget the atmosphere in 91. It was magical. And you're right. You know, that's the bottom line is this was an opportunity that got away. It is so astronomically hard to get to this point. And the Lions were within a half of the promised land, something Chris, you and I, and several Detroiters have waited for their entire life. I told you a long time ago, my father used to say, if I would have known what a sick Detroit Lions fan you were going to be, I would have given you the appropriate name. Brian, wait until next year, Feldman, because you're going to be waiting until next year your entire life. And it feels like we have. So to let that slip away, Chris, was it was it was it was painful. And especially the way that it happened, I think you feel the same, and so do most Detroit fans that you know, had they been blown out or just flat out beaten by the 49ers, it would have been okay. It would have been acceptable. We would have said, hey, we were improving and all that. But to have a 17-point lead and blow it in the second half the 
way that they did, it's inexcusable. I mean, and it's inexcusable, and this is the way you look at it. In almost 60 years of conference championships games being played, it is the largest comeback by ever allowed. So the Lions find their way into the record book again with another dubious record, and we're tired of that. You know, yep. and, and again, it, you know, just my last take on the game, and I said this during the game, Chris, I was watching it with my daughter and my son. We had a small little gathering because I didn't go to the NFC Championship. I'd gotten back from Detroit, was sick and worn out, so I just stayed figuring, okay, well, maybe we'll see him here in the Super Bowl. And when Dan Campbell lined up on the first fourth down play, after the 49ers had driven down the first drive of the second half, the Lions stalled them, and they got a field goal, so they turned it into a 14-point game. The Lions get the ball right back, drive down the field, and get stalled and have an opportunity to kick a field goal and take those three points right back. Right. I said aloud, I wish my son would have put it on tape, I said, you know, I sat in my seat and my, I sat down and put my head in my hands, and my son goes, Dad, what's the matter? And I go, son, this might be the worst decision in Detroit Lions history. I truly said that. And that was when he didn't go for the first one. And it turned out to be accurate, Chris, because the bottom line is the 49ers got so pumped up after that, and they never looked back. That is disrespecting them in their house by doing that. One of the best and the highest paid defense, defensive front in the National Football League. And the last thing I'll say on that is people keep throwing at me analytics, analytics. Well, going for it on fourth down, this, this number, this percentage, here's the deal what I say to all those analytic lovers out there. Are you giving me analytics in the regular season against teams like the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, the Chicago Bears? The are these the teams you're compiling? these analytics, or are you giving me analytics based on playoffs against top 10 defenses in the National Football League and, uh, and how the fourth down conversions are against them? My guess is if you pulled up those analytics, they would be dramatically different. And hey, they just added to those analytics in the game against San Francisco. You have to compare apples to apples. You throw out analytics. The playoffs and the regular season in the NFL are two completely different animals. They are in every sport. The players have to ramp up their game, and the coaches have to make adjustments and not be methodical and use what they did in the regular season. Change it up. Dan Campbell did not. In the first half, they ran the ball so effectively. Mm. In the second half, they're running Jamar Gibbs up the middle. He's an edge runner. He's a guy that goes out and is great in space. Montgomery is the bruising back to run up the middle. Why they changed everything up in the second half to that degree, Chris, and then for Dan Campbell to make the same mistakes basically that he made in Dallas, to me, it's inexcusable. And if the Lions get back there next year and win the Super Bowl, hey, we'll look back on this and say, hey, that was a step Stone. But if they never win the Super Bowl under a Dan Campbell regime, all of this will be forgotten other than by diehard Lions fans like you and I. Brian Feldman joining us, host of Out of Line, 8 to 9 a.m. Uh, Sundays on Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas, breaking down to, uh, some NFC Championship action as we get set for the Super Bowl. The Niners and the Kansas City fighting Taylor Swift's coming to town here in Las Vegas <laughs> for Super Bowl 58. Brian, uh, yeah, no question. Uh, look, I, I basically uh, echo a lot of your sentiment when it came to that game. Uh, uh, it really does ring in my ears uh, constantly of uh, a sense of what could have been for the Detroit Lions having a 17-point lead going into the second half and then seeing what transpired there in the second half. is just so difficult to take. But let's kind of try to, hey, I guess, Chris, let's try. Chris, yeah. real, real quick, I just wanted to say one thing. Yeah. Anyone who's ever seen the movie The Replacements, uh -huh. in the movie, Gene Hackman asks the team before they get started, he says, what are you the most afraid of? And if you remember, uh, Falco, played by uh, Keanu Reeves, said, yeah. 
the most, thing I'm the most afraid of is quicksand. And he explained that quicksand is one thing goes wrong, then another, and all of a sudden you can't stop it and you sink in quicksand. We saw that an example of what Keanu Reeves was talking about, quicksand, on Sunday. The Lions stepped in quicksand, and the worst part about it is somehow they got a branch in the fourth quarter where Dan Campbell could kick a field goal, stop the bleeding, and tie the game. And he elected, you know what? I'm not going to take the branch. I'm going to keep trying to swim out of it. Well, welcome to quicksand, Dan Campbell. Numchuck, how about Feldman coming up with a little little replacements uh, reference, baby? I love it. One of my favorite movies, by the way, Feldman. Uh, I was a huge Danny Bateman guy, right? Walk on from Michigan State, linebacker, just just cleaning house, just knocking heads off all over the place. I love it. Little replacements action. Can't go wrong. Uh, Brian Feldman joining us here on the show, on the T.C. Martin Show, uh, as we get set to uh, ramp up uh, the activity that's going to be Las Vegas and Super Bowl week here in just a matter of a couple of days. So the matchup set, Brian, uh, San Francisco taking on Kansas City, uh, two quality football teams, obviously. The Kansas City Chiefs, no stranger to the Super Bowl as of late. Uh, multiple Super Bowl championships and uh, multiple appearances, of course. Uh, the 49ers looking for their uh, first Super Bowl uh, well, they are in their first Super Bowl appearance since 2012, in which they lost to the Baltimore Ravens, but looking for their first victory since 1994 when they knocked off the hey, then Chris, San Diego Chris, Chargers. They, yeah. they were in the Super Bowl four years ago against the Kansas City Chiefs and lost. Oh, my mistake. Remember? My mistake. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my mistake. But uh, San Francisco still looking for that first victory, I should say, since yep. 1994. But uh, two teams, Brian, very familiar with uh, the big game and playing in uh, – in this type of scenario, but uh, I gotta believe it's gonna be a little bit of a different animal, sir, with uh, everything taking place here in the uh, fabulous city that is Las Vegas for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. Christmas is exciting. You know, one of the things that just and annoys me, and it probably shouldn't, is in all the advertisements and everything, and even what I heard T.C. Martin do right before, they've got to say the big game. I just hate it. It's the Super Bowl. Quit trying to monetize everything. You make enough money. Call it the Super Bowl. Let people yeah. call it the Super Bowl in their commercials. To me, that's the stupidest thing in the world, the big game. Well, I'm going to call it the Super Bowl on this show if it's okay throughout the show, and I hope, we, I, I hope I'm not just here so I don't get fined. But... Anyways, uh, that being said, this is going to be an epic matchup. It really is. Uh, Kansas City is playing their best ball right now. They are a seasoned, grizzled playoff team. And Detroit Lions fans, don't think you beat this team because you beat them without Travis Kelsey and you beat them without Chris Jones, two of the best players on that team who are both, by the way, healthy and rocking and ready and rolling to go. Taylor Swift will obviously be in the stands. And you know what? As much as everyone jokes about Taylor Swift right now, Travis Kelsey is 34 years old. He is playing some of the best football of his life. And you know, Chris, whenever we've got a new girlfriend, somebody we want to show off to, we play better. We do better. We really do. That's like a fact. We play better. And I think that doesn't bode well for the San Francisco 49ers. Travis Kelsey's in the biggest game of his life. He's got his new billion-dollar girlfriend watching him, and I'll bet he has a lights-out game. Don't think Travis Kelsey will score a touchdown in this game. I'd put anything on that. But overall, this is going to be a very intriguing matchup. I think Brock Purdy, you know, a year ago I might have said this game's over his head. It absolutely is not over his head. He just got done coming back twice against the Green Bay Packers and then against the Lions. He is ready for this game as is the 49ers. And I think the Lions trouncing them the way they did in the first half 
fired up this defense. I think they took it personally. We saw it in the second half, and you know this defensive front and those linebackers are as good as anybody in football. Their one slight weakness is their secondary, and hey, hopefully Patrick Holmes, if you're a Kansas City fan, can exploit that weakness. He's got Travis Kelsey to do it, a couple other receivers, and hey, Canarius Tony just have to put some stick on his hands and not drop the ball in the Super Bowl, and I think Kansas City, even though they're the underdog, has a real good chance of winning this football game. What do you think about that dynamic when it comes to the quarterbacks, right? you got one guy who's clearly one of the best quarterbacks in football, a guy that's basically looking to pad his resume with respect to uh, winning another world championship still, you know, uh, regardless of the the, uh, result in this football game, people are still going to hold a guy like Pat Mahomes in high regard, but what do you think about the whole Proc Purdy kind of effect when it comes to San Francisco? I mean, this is a guy who really could put a a stamp uh, on his career as far as uh, if he's able to be the guy that essentially uh, is the leader of a, of a team that actually wins a Super Bowl championship for the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah, Chris, Brock Purdy is, is, is truly an epic story. To be Mr. Irrelevant and do what this guy has done, you know, it's been overstated, and I'll overstate it again. It's, yeah. it's uh, nothing short of miraculous. It really is. This, this kid has stepped up and, and, and just proven that, you know, just give somebody a chance sometime when they've got skills. We saw this guy play here like when Iowa State played at Allegiant Stadium against UNLV, and uh, were you that impressed? I, I thought he's okay, but, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't surprised that he was Mr. Relevant. But what he has done is incredible, and I think he will hold his own in this game. I think he understands being a game manager. And the one thing is, boy, is this team behind him, and it is not any kind of, you know, fake behind him. They are really behind him. They believe in this kid, as do I, Chris. I think Brock Purdy is as good of a game manager for a, a, a second-year player, basically, that there's ever been in the NFL history. He just seems like a grizzled season veteran. He's poised. He handles himself well. And this this stage, I don't believe, will be too big for him. I'm going to see it firsthand a week from Sunday. But on the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City team, this is a team that is so familiar with this stage. It's not, it's almost another game to them. You know, I don't think you can call it a regular season caliber game, but it's like a playoff game to them. They've been here so many times. They have played in so many playoff games over the past four or five seasons that this is just a walk in the park to them. And it is going to be, I think, a very good football game. I think it may be the best matchup we've had, we, we, we could have had um, with these two teams in the game. I think it's all going to come down to, you know, can the defensive front of that San Francisco 49ers team that is the highest paid defensive front in football, you know, with Bosa and Chase Young on that front, can these guys get to Patrick Mahomes? Can they stop his improvisation, which is the best in the National Football League out of the quarterback position? Those are the things, to me, is going to be the key. Is it going to be in the trenches? Can they get pressure on him? Running the ball for San Francisco, I mean, you've got Christian McCaffrey. As good as the San Francisco linebackers are, Greenway and Fred Warner, um, Christian McCaffrey is going to get 100 yards rushing and probably at least one touchdown. So the key is going to be when Brock, per, excuse me, when Patrick Mahomes has to throw the ball, can they disrupt his passing game? If they can't, I think Kansas City wins the Super Bowl.
when we're talking about this situation with Brock Purdy, look, I'll throw this out there. I, I don't get crazy Patriot fans and Tom Brady fans. We're not comparing necessarily, you know, a Brock Purdy to Tom Brady as far as the quarterback. I just want to make a reference. There seems to be a lot of similarities in my mind, Brian Feldman, in my opinion, uh, with Brock Purdy, with Tom Brady in his first few years in the league. What do I mean by that? Okay, a guy that was a very late draft pick, right? Didn't have much expectation. Didn't have necessarily a spectacular college career. You pointed it out, Brian. We had a chance to see him. Those of us that cover UNLV football had a chance to see him at Iowa State playing college. And you never got the feeling, oh, yeah, this guy's you know going to shoot to start him in the NFL or anything like that. It kind of parallels Tom Brady as far as his early years in the NFL you know, when it comes to expectations, right, and, with, and, and kind of a trajectory with, with respect to Brock Purdy and Tom Brady. Again. I don't want to make it seem like I'm comparing Tom Brady to Brock Purdy, but do you kind of understand where I'm going here when I when I'm I'm taking a look at these two guys when it comes to Purdy and Brady? Oh, Chris, I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. I actually think it's a really good one, and I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. I mean, Tom Brady 100% got his opportunity because, you know, because Drew Bledsoe went down and they had no choice. He he had got himself elevated to the backup quarterback, and it happened. And once in a while, you see, you know, you see a star is born when something like that is the same thing a couple years before that, Chris, in in St. Louis. Kurt Warner and nobody is backing up Trent Green, who they played a ton of money to. He gets hurt. And look what happens. Kurt Warner comes out of the blue and there's a movie about him. There will be a movie about Brock Purdy. Trust me, if you can put stock in that movie right now, invest, it'll be out there. They're probably already making it and he hasn't even, he's in the third year of his career. Second. But what I will say is, yes, a very good analogy. It took, in, in Brock Purdy's case, it took two people to go down to yeah. get him his opportunity, including the heir apparent who was Trey Lance. This was the heir apparent. They traded up to get him with the second pick in the draft. And this guy was supposed to be the next coming of great quarterbacks in San Francisco, and it took those two guys to go down for Brock Purdy to get this opportunity and talk about capitalizing on opportunity just like Tom Brady did. They both did, but yes, with initial immediate success comes high expectations, and the expectations on Brock Purdy are going to continue to grow every year, and I think another example, Chris, not necessarily Joe Montana was expected to eventually be the starter in San Francisco when he was drafted, I think, in the fourth round out of Notre Dame, but the, the, the similarity is it's the coolness. When Joe got in there, he never seemed rattled. I mean, even the joke in the Super Bowl, which isn't a joke, they've got it on tape, when he says, well, you see who's in the stand? It's John Candy over there. Brock Purdy seems to have the same type of demeanor as a Joe Montana. You know, cool is the other side of the pillow. That's why they called him Cool Joe. Um, And Brock Purdy has that kind of presence about him. Will it morph into a long-term NFL, very sexual career? Well, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, it's still the NFL, as we talked about, we were talking about the line. But the upside of this kid, Chris, especially to get him where they got him and what's going on, man, you shake your head and just keep asking, how does San Francisco continue to retool the way that they do? They just do. Super Bowl 58, nine days away here in Las Vegas. San Francisco taking on Kansas City. We're topping it up with one of our favorites, Brian Feldman, host of Out of Line over at Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 9 a.m. Catch it uh, every Sunday here in Las Vegas and on the World Wide Web at uh, the Las Vegas Sports Network as well, too. Uh, of course, it uh, is going to be the first time ever, Brian Feldman, here in Las Vegas. Of course, uh, I talked about that what should have been, right, with uh, us Lions fans and maybe the you know the possibility of seeing all that Honolulu blue and silver here in town. 
now, but it's going to be the Niners. It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. You'll see Chiefs Kingdom. You'll see all the Niners fans here in town. You'll see a lot of NFL fans here in town. You and I have worked in sports radio here in Las Vegas for a long time. Both of us can remember back in the days where it would have been absurd. It would have been obscene to think that the NFL would ever not only have a franchise in Las Vegas, but the idea of hosting a Super Bowl was just beyond the pale outrageous. So I got to get your initial thoughts on uh, what's about to transpire, which is, uh, you know, uh, the biggest game in the biggest sport in America uh, about to uh, take place here in Las Vegas. Oh, it's so cool, Chris. I think it is such a, such a, 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 a feather in the cap of this city for getting this bowl here and for what they're doing. I think the city of Las Vegas learned a great deal in 2007 with the NBA All-Star debacle. And I think they've really cleaned it up since then, so much so that now we're getting ready to accept our third major professional sports franchise. And I, I'm not discounting the WNBA, but when you talk about major professional sports franchises, it's on its way to being one. Yeah. But when you're in a forty game when you're in a forty game season in basketball, I, I just can't call it that. So I'm saying the Oakland A's, the third major professional sports men's uh, professional sports team coming. Um, it shows you what Las Vegas has done and how much it has stepped up. The Golden Knights have been an absolute treasure, and now having a Super Bowl here, Chris, I believe that the Vegas will do it right, and I believe they'll get in some type of a rotation where every decade or so we will see a bowl in Las Vegas because hey, it is the up up and coming sports mecca of our country. And uh, you know what? These these sports fans now, it's crazy. To, if I, you would have ever told me before I moved here that we were going to have a hockey-knowledgeable city in Las Vegas, I would have told you that you're spending time at dispensaries before they open. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not saying that anymore, man. I'm going to say right now that Vegas has stepped up, and, uh, and I love this community. I love what they're doing. And uh, not only is the Super Bowl, in my opinion, going to be a great success, hopefully the game's as good as uh, it's, 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 it looks like it could be, but I think uh, it is setting Las Vegas up for many Many great things to come in the future, and uh, you know we had we had F one here this year. And Chris, I'll tell you, you know, you talk. We've been doing this for a long time, man. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. We both got in Vegas when when you know honestly we were covering the fifty ones UNLV football and basket, maybe hitting a Wranglers game. Exactly. Uh, things yeah. have changed. Things have changed since then, my friend. Yeah, just a little bit, right? Uh, a little bit more high profile franchises in town. No disrespect to those franchises you mentioned, obviously, but uh, it it is certainly changed a little bit. Of course, uh, you kind of brought it up at the top of, of the, the segment, uh, the whole Taylor Swift effect, right, uh, Brian Feldman? First of all, I know myself, along with the, burn, the listeners here at the T.C. Martin Show, uh, have a burning question as to whether or not Brian Feldman, are you a Taylor Swift fan? You know, honestly, Chris, I'm going to tell you, people can be mad at me and say that whatever. Yes, I am a Taylor Swift fan. You know, I don't know her. I've never met her. I've never met or interviewed Travis Kelsey. I've stood pretty close to him when uh, they played the Chiefs, Raiders played the Chiefs, but I've never met either one of them. From what I see and gather, I don't know that you could have two more humble superstars. Not even, let's go beyond that, megastars. Travis Kelsey is arguably, when his career ends, that he's going to be argued about as being the greatest tight end that ever played the game. Taylor Swift, one of the most successful pop stars that's ever graced this planet. I mean, she's worth well over a billion dollars, which is insane. So, and she, you know, her creativity, she is incredibly talented. Am I going to go to a concert and sing her songs? 
Well, maybe not. But yeah. you know what? I the, the respect for her is off the chart. And Travis Kelsey, it's probably the first mega celebrity couple that I've actually ever enjoyed. And it doesn't bother me like it does so many other people. You know what? She is one of the biggest stars in the world. You know what? If it was, if the tables were turned and say it was the WNBA and you had Darren Waller up in the suite during a Kelsey Plum game, the camera's going to pan to him and Darren Waller's not Taylor Swift. So why is everyone so mad that they're panning to her all the time? It's boosting ratings. And you know what? Ratings, viewership, and more recognition for the NFL to me is a great thing. I just hope the one thing they don't use this to monetize and continue to raise prices and make it to the point that blue-collar America can no longer go to football games. That would bother me. And we're slowly getting that. They have raised ticket prices in Detroit astronomically. I don't want to say it's the Taylor Swift effect on the league, but the more popular this league gets, the more people are going to go to pay and see games. Brian Feldman joining us here live on the T.C. Martin Show talking uh, some Super Bowls. We ramp up for 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs get set to uh, face off in the first ever Super Bowl here in Las Vegas. Brian, we've been running along. Hey, Brian Feldman, can I keep you over for another segment? Because I wanted to do, uh, get your take on uh, a little UNLV basketball and uh, maybe of some course, uh, baseball. Of course. Chris, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my office. And I can't let Brian Selman come on before and say he's always there for you, see when, and me not always be there for you. So one Brian's there for you, so is another. I appreciate you. Big time, my friend. So let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll talk to Brian Feldman, host of Out of Line, uh, get his uh, couple more takes on the Super Bowl, but I also want to get his take also on some UNLV basketball, of course, as a team that uh, there could be some changes coming when it comes to all things running Rebels hoops. It's the T.C. Mark Show, coming away live on a Friday, KSHB, AM 1400, also 107.1 FM, streaming on the World Wide Web, www.thetcmartinshow.com. Hey, everyone, this is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. A little love for us native Michiganders, myself, along with Brian Feldman, our guest here, host of Out of Line, Detroit Rock City, little kiss action. On your Friday, T.C. Martin Show, coming away live, KSHB, AM 1400, 107.1 FM, and streaming on the World Wide Web, www.thetcmartinshow.com. Just a handful of days away, Super Bowl 58. Kansas City taking on San Francisco. And, uh, of course, the burning question is what? How is Taylor Swift, and when is Taylor Swift going to get to Vegas, folks? Well, Mr. Feldman, we have breaking news out of the Embassy of Japan in the United States. Look, this is just just, just living proof of how polite the Japanese people are, Mr. Feldman. I'm going to fill you in. The Embassy of Japan in the United States is aware of recent media reports concerning the, the steps Taylor Swift will need to take to travel from Tokyo to her concert uh, and her concert on February 10th to Las Vegas in time to watch the Chiefs play in Super Bowl 58. Despite the 12-hour flight, Mr. Feldman, and 17-hour time difference, the embassy can confidently speak now to say that if she departs Tokyo in the evening after a concert, she should comfortably arrive in Las Vegas before the Super Bowl begins. We know that many people in Japan are excited to experience Taylor Swift's era's tour, so we wanted to confirm that anyone concerned can be fearless in knowing that this talented performer can wow Japanese audiences and still make it to Las Vegas to support the Chiefs when they take the field in Super Bowl 58 wearing red. That is, an, that is a statement 
Brian Feldman from the Embassy of Japan in the United States regarding Taylor and her ability to get to the big game here in Las Vegas coming up next week. That's the biggest news in the Super Bowl so far, Chris. <laughs> Everyone wants to know uh, if Taylor you knew that Taylor Swift is not going to miss the Super Bowl. And let's be clear. Yes, she is supporting the Kansas City Chiefs, but she's supporting her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. If yes. Travis Kelsey next year gets traded to the Miami Dolphins, that's what she will be supporting next year if they're still together. So um, she's a Chiefs fan right now. That's great for her, great for Chiefs Nation. And uh, I am in no way surprised that she was going to be find a way to be at Allegiant Stadium a week from Sunday. She'll be there. And I maybe I should add her to my bucket list, Chris. I've been... I've been crossing off names left and right on my bucket list this year of people I want to interview. Should I add Taylor Swift to that list? You probably should add Taylor Swift to that list. You, you interviewed some very prominent people as of late, my friend. You had the opportunity to have some great experiences, especially back in, in our hometown of Detroit where you got back there for those two playoff games. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see any uh, reason to believe whatsoever that Mr. Feldman can't get an interview with uh, Taylor Swift uh, when you, when, because uh, you're going to be involved in covering a lot of the festivities all week long. And then of course, uh, leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I, I doubt I'll get a chance to interview Taylor Swift. That's going to, that, that, that is definitely going to take some finagling, maybe beyond my ability to finagle. But, you know, yeah, Chris, and just to speak before I forget, you know, yeah. this Sunday, I'm really, really excited. Uh, you know, like I said, a lot of wind was taken out of my sails last Sunday, as you know, being a good friend of mine and knowing yeah. that I was heartbroken. And I'm not was, that is present tense, still heartbroken that Detroit's not coming here. But I'm getting ramped up. The Super Bowl is really cool, especially here in Vegas. And I got a really good opportunity this Sunday, Chris. You know, last Sunday we had the opportunity. You were on my show with me, and uh, you know, of course, we had Eric Kramer, one of the most compelling NFL stories. And if you if, if I've got a yeah, chance, great interview I, by I'll, the way with Eric Kramer, thank the former you, man. quarterback I'll promote, of the Lions. I'll promote, yeah. I'll yeah, the, the ultimate comeback, and I will promote that's the name of Eric Kramer's book. I strongly suggest you read it, especially anyone that has clinical depression. Unbelievable book, and Eric Kramer's an unbelievable person. But this week on the show, I just found out a couple days ago I'm going to have Ronnie Lott and Marcus Allen on my show on Sunday morning, and I'm looking really forward to that. They're going to be here hosting a charity event for the NFL on Monday, and they're coming on my show to promote it. And I'm really excited because a couple weeks ago in Detroit, I, in, in, not with any intention, but I kind of referenced. Ronnie Lott because it was so cold in Detroit. I said, walking from my friend's store to Ford Field, I'm probably going to get, lose two toes to frostbite. And then I said, well, you know what? Ronnie Lott cut off a finger to play in a football game. I can sacrifice two toes to see my Lions. And I said that, and I have the video of that, and I'm going to actually play it for Ronnie Lott because i got to talk to him about that cutoff finger on Sunday. And what a monstrous segue right here to my next comment that I'm about to make, uh, Mr. Feldman. So here's the deal, right? You brought up Marcus Allen, of course, right? We can take solace, right, as Lions fans. Look, we understand we lost in the NFC Championship game, so now we're not going to be able to see a lot of Honolulu Blue and Silver rolling around here in Vegas. But i got to get your take, Brian, and I talked with B-Sal about this. Uh, maybe the most uh, frustrated people have to be Raider fans, right? The Silver and Black fans. Not only do you have your most hated rival in your division, the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Super Bowl here, but you also have the San Francisco 49ers, you know, and a, 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 a team that you shared the Bay Area with for decades playing in the Super Bowl as well too and oh by the way the Chiefs are going to be practicing in your facility all week long it's got to <laughs> stick in the craw Mr. Feldman of all the uh, folks that are uh, Raider Nation in silver and black 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it ironic. I don't want to say it's apropos, but it's pretty wild that you are going to have that you know two teams that are that are so directly connected to the Raiders. I mean, of course, up in San Francisco, they're right across the bay in Oakland from uh, the Forty ers And yeah, you're right, Chris. I mean, one of the most heated rivals in the history of uh, the National Football League, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and yeah, it's got to bite a little bit. There's no question about it. You know, the the team is uh, you know, they coming off they 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 win their final game against Denver. I'm still I'm still a little salty over the fact they had cigars in the locker room when they were celebrating going fishing. But I get it. Uh, you know, they were they were in support of Antonio Pierce, who ultimately did get the nod as the they they removed the interim tag, and he's now the head coach of the Raiders. But yeah, Chris, I got to believe if you're a longtime Raiders fan, a lot of these players, you know, they understand the rivalry now. But if you're a longtime suffering Raiders fan, this has got to bite, you know, and that's a great question for me to ask the Wiz on Sunday because, you know, he is a gigantic Raiders fan yep. and find out, does it bother him that, like, two teams that are directly related to the Raiders are coming here and especially the Chiefs using their facility? I don't know if I would allow that, Chris. That's almost sacrilegious. Brian Feldman like, joining before us. I finish, I'll say this. Yeah. I would be pissed as hell if the game was held at Ford Field and the Packers, the Bears, or the Vikings were in it and they got to practice out in Allen Park at the Lions. Oh, I would have a problem yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like I got to believe maybe Mark Davis said something, but he probably doesn't have any love for the Niners either. But, uh, you know, Mark Davis maybe tried to lobby the NFL, say, oh, is there some way that we can get, uh, the, you know, the Chiefs over at uh, UNLV and have uh, the Niners come to, uh, to our facility? Maybe something like that. But maybe, uh, maybe he doesn't have any love for the Niners either as well, too. So uh, I don't know all the exact I'd make them practice at Coronado High School. There you go, yeah. Send them out to uh, Sam Boyd Stadium, right? And have them, have them be out there. There we go. There we go. That. Yeah, Brian Feldman joining us here live on the T.C. Martin Show, a host of Out of Line over at Fox Sports Radio. We're talking about uh, Super Bowl 58, about to uh, engulf Las Vegas uh, in a matter of about nine days uh, and take place here. But I want to switch gears to Brian and uh, talk a little UNLV basketball, Brian. Uh, the Running Rebels, they get a victory uh, Tuesday night, take out the uh, Fresno State Bulldogs in a game that uh, probably was a little bit closer in uh, the second half than we thought it was going to be. Of course, coming off a win also uh, last Saturday in San Jose against the Spartans, uh, the other Spartans, I should say, uh, of San Jose in that victory. So a two-game winning streak. They'll take on Wyoming tomorrow night. But uh, I talked about this with B-Sal. I want to get your take. Uh, this is a UNLV team that's kind of, you know, they're kind of wallowing, uh, you know, middle of the road in the Mountain West. And uh, it's it's probably a, a team that is, uh, I would say, uh, if we're going to look at it overall, has underachieved this season and is going to look to uh, probably pull out some wins that they aren't expected to get against some teams in the Mountain West the rest of the way. Your thoughts when it comes to uh, UNLV as uh, they ramp up for a matchup against Wyoming tomorrow night? Well, first I'll start the way I start every time I talk about UNLV basketball. You know, I hate, this is one of the hardest naysays that I have because I, I have as a person so much respect for Kevin Kruger as a human being yeah. and what a good guy that he is. So that to me is, I want to preface it with that. After that being said, let me put back on the media cap and say, yes, Chris, I expected more from this UNLV team right up the get-go. I threw out the Southern game simply because the Boone brothers didn't play in the Southern game. We've seen almost every game, and these guys are huge different makers. As a matter of fact, one of the Boone brothers, I feel, will get a look at the next level, and I think both of them are capable of playing in Europe. I mean, they're that good, and they really helped this UNLV team a great deal. So so I want to I preface it with that, that I think you know they did underachieve, and another guy 
guy is, you know, Eden Thomas Jr. I mean, the kid should be a senior in high school. We can't forget that. And he's playing at the collegiate level, their starting point guard. And I don't disagree with what Kevin said in the press conference after the Fresno State game, that this kid gets better every single game he does. All that being said, Chris, I, I can't get over I didn't get to see it. I'd just gotten back from Detroit on, on Monday, the 22nd of January. Yep. I didn't get to go to the Air Force game, and I planned on doing that. But when I look at the final score, 90-58, to 58, Chris, it's, it, it almost sends me running to the bathroom. I mean, that's sickening. And I don't know how it happened. I didn't see the game. I saw the ebb and flow, and I saw the highlights, but that was it. And, oh, my God. You know, then they come back. They go on the road. They beat a bad San Jose State team. And then they come back, and they beat, I'm sorry, a bad Fresno State team. So, granted, they got two more wins under the belt. They were competitive against Colorado State, and now tomorrow at 5 o'clock at the Thomas and Mac, they're going up against the Wyoming Cowboys team that we just saw a couple days ago have one of the coolest comebacks I've ever seen. I mean, it made bad beats on, uh, on, on Scott Van Pelt's show on ESPN, and you know they were down by 11 points to Colorado State, who was ranked at that time in the top 25. They were down 11 points with 56 seconds to go in the game, and ended up losing in overtime. Wyoming won that game. Granted, it was at home, but I saw something from Wyoming. I saw something that you want to see from every team at every level, and that is the ability to not quit, to not get down. Under a minute to go, you're down 11, Chris. A lot of teams throw in the towel. Wyoming didn't, and I think that could be a problem for UNLV. So you know what? If UNLV finds a way to win this game tomorrow against Wyoming, which I'm going to state right here, I don't think they will win the game against Wyoming. But if they do, all right, props to them. But when all said and done, Chris, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit of the game with UNLV, I'm telling you right now, and I've said it pretty much all season, for Kevin Kruger to remain the head basketball coach at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, they are going to have to get an NIT bid and win a game in the NIT. What would it take to get there? It's going to take more wins and at the very least probably losing in the semifinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament to get the bid. If they don't, Eric Harper will move on from Kevin Kruger at the end of the season. Kevin Kruger was not his hire. It was the farewell hire of Desiree Francois. See you later. Get out of town. You and your shoes and your parachute pants. And, uh, and the bottom line is Eric Harper is the best athletic director since I've lived in Las Vegas, and this guy makes things happen. Look at that great hire with Barry Odom and how the football team has turned around, and I think if Kevin Kruger doesn't do minimally, again, one win in the NIT, we're going to have a new coach as the head basketball coach at UNLV next year. Right now, the Runner Rebels sitting at 4-4 four and four in the smack dab. I mean, they're sitting seventh in the Mountain West Conference, 4-4 uh, four and four in, the, in the conference, 11-9 and nine overall win-loss record. They have won two straight, but uh, it's not like they uh, are, are looking like they're going to shotgun up into the top four by any stretch of the imagination of the Mount West Conference. And then you take a look at the schedule coming up in February. They, and, and look, there's some winnable games, without question, right? When you look at the schedule, uh, I would happen to concur with you, Brian. I don't think that they're going to win that game against the Cowboys tomorrow night, that 5 o'clock tip at the Thomas and Mac. Then they get a week off, and then they go to New Mexico and will play in the pit in Albuquerque against right now a top 20 team in the country in the Lobos, uh, then they take on, a, take on the Fresno State Bulldogs in Fresno, which should be a winnable game. But uh, the rest of the slate in the Mountain West is it's kind of like hit or miss. They're going to have to win some of these games they're not expected to win, i.e. a game against maybe their arch rival Nevada, right? They might have to win a game against a, the likes of a Colorado State. Uh, and then on and on and on. So it, it is not going to be uh, e- easy sledding for UNLV to get themselves in the best position going into the Mountain West Tournament. And, of course, uh, I talked about this yesterday on the show, Brian. Uh, you, if, if, if it's any scenario whatsoever, 
in which UNLV is floating around playing in a play-in game in the Mountain West tournament, then it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't understand year in and year out why we're talking about this team, which is, you know, which seems to have from a talent standpoint, right, and from a projection standpoint, to be a top four, five team in the Mountain West, constantly, you know, floating around the play-in game on Wednesday afternoon or, you know, having a lower seed in the Mountain West tournament. It doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, I guess circling back to the question, you kind of answered it a little bit, but I wanted a little bit, get a little more uh, uh, juice around it when it comes to Kevin Kruger. Uh, I, I, I am in the camp that you are where I think it's going to be very difficult for him to retain his job. But uh, as I po- again, as I pointed out in the show yesterday, uh, what are your thoughts as far as my sentiment that I thought that this was not the job he should have taken anyway? I thought that uh, this is not a gig that he should have had. He should have had, uh, uh, you know, a, a more uh, a middle a kind of a uh, you know a uh, smaller conference gig as his first job, and that should have been the route that he should have taken in his career. Now, we understand that his father's Lon Kruger. We get that. You know, one of the best coaches in, uh, in college history, a guy that's going to go down as a Hall of Famer. We get that. But uh, got to get your thoughts on far as far as Kevin Kruger. Uh, you know, it, it, was this the right job to take as your first head coaching job in college basketball? Well, Chris, I'm, the only reason I disagree a little bit is because when you're offered a job as a head coach at any college, you, you, you'd be remiss not to take it. you got to take the job. So I don't think it was his mistake in taking the job. I think it was a bonehead hire by Desiree Reed Francois, who could give a crap about UNLV. She used yeah. this place as a stepping stone when she got it from Cincinnati. We all knew she did. Marcus Arroyo was one of the most garbage hires I've ever seen in my life. And then to find out the guy's her ex-boyfriend, great. And I uh, I shouldn't have said that on the air, but I did. And uh, the other thing that I'll say is also, you know, Kevin Kruger took the job. It was, you know, he had played here. There's ties here. He lives here. His father, Lon, retires. You know, it, it, yes. I, I can't blame him for taking the job. You're given that job, you got to do something with it. It's what he's done with it. He's used the portal fairly well. And like you said, there is talent. These Boone brothers, Caleb and Kalen Boone, if you haven't gone out and watched them play, they are fun to watch play basketball. They play well together. And Caleb Boone has, has turned out to be a leader on this team. He's a vocal leader. He gets excited. He talks to the players. You see him even being vocal in the huddle. And my big knock on them last season was they didn't really have a floor general. Even though he He's not a point guard. He is a four, a four general. And I think that, uh, you know, that he's done a good job using the portal and getting players. It's meshing those players. It's getting them to play well. And I think sometimes in the press conferences, you know, when he uses the term great when you're talking about the Mountain West Conference and underrated, I disagree. Yeah. I think the Mountain West Conference got the biggest shot in the arm, Chris, they could have ever gotten last year with San Diego State going all the way to the championship game against the juggernaut and the Yukon Huskies. That was incredible. And now, a lot of people are looking at the Mountain West Conference, but I don't think the Mountain West Conference got better from last year. As a matter of fact, like I said, I only see two teams, in my opinion, right now worthy of making it to the to, to the NCAA tournament, and that's leaving out New Mexico. Because the two teams I'm talking about is San Diego State, who's not even ranked, and Utah State. I think those are both NCAA tournament quality teams. But the New Mexico Lobos have a shot. The reason I, I take them out of the mix, 
Chris, they lost to UNLV by double digits, 83-73, back on January 9th. That's only less than a month ago. So, again, um, now they play, the, you know, they go to they have Wyoming tomorrow, and then, like they, you said, a week off, and then they've got to go to the pit. New Mexico's backed up to being ranked number 19 in the country. And I'll tell you what, to me, that is going to be the the thermometer of where this team is at right now because New Mexico is salty. They have to avenge that loss and prove that that was a fluke because UNLV is not a respected team in the Mountain West. So you can't take a loss by double digits to them no matter where the game's played. I don't care if it's played on the flipping moon. So that is going to be the, the benchmark of where UNLV is right now is that game. If they can find a way to beat Wyoming, get some confidence, take that week and really practice hard. But to beat New Mexico, it is going to take, and even to beat Wyoming, it is going to take an incredible defensive effort by UNLV. And at times, Chris, they have showed some really good defensive prowess. At other times, I've never seen people more wide open on the perimeter. It's like, there's, it's like they're on the other side of an ocean, and that has to change. Great insight from uh, our guy, Brian Feldman. He's the host of Out of Line over on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 9 a.m. Uh, catch him every week. Uh, Brian, we really appreciate the time. Hey, get ready. We're ramping up. We're about to see a lot of stuff, Mr. Feldman, that we've never seen before, and it's called Super Bowl Week in Las Vegas, right? It is going to be a, a sight to see without question. Uh, yeah, our Detroit Lions are not there, but uh, hey, there's still going to be a football game. There's still going to be the festivities. There's still going to be a lot of, as I pointed out before, Bill Pito said some developing situations in Vegas with uh, what's about to take place uh, during Super Bowl week. We really appreciate the time, Brian. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend, okay? Hey, exactly the same, Chris. And last thing I'll say yep. is, um, you know, uh, quoting Taylor Swift, um, you know, I got a blank space, baby. I'll write your name. Boom, baby. That's how you, that's how you polish it off. Polish off a Friday edition of uh, T.C. Martin Show. With a little Brian Feldman. Mr. Feldman, have a great weekend, sir, all right? You as well. Appreciate you, Chris. We'll talk soon. There it is. Brian Feldman, uh, as we get set, uh, it's going to be kind of crazy. A lot of stuff we've never seen before here in Vegas coming up this week. Uh, A lot of situations. A lot of uh, celebrities. Obviously, the NFL is going to embark on the city of Las Vegas. So you're going to have all kinds of former Hall of Famers, great players, and... uh, yeah, as B-Sal pointed out, right? You got the international fans coming to town. Mr. Chuck, international people all over the place. People that don't even go to a, to an NFL game all season long, but it's the Super Bowl, baby. And they're going to be here in Vegas partying up. And, we, and what do we do better in Vegas than, than any other city in America? We throw parties. Oh, right? we, we party. There's it's and time we, to we party. We have theme nights going on all over town. There's going to be all, every resort. Every club, every bar is going to be going off. It's going to be a spectacle to see as Kansas City gets set to take on those pesky, pesky San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy. Tribute there, to, of course, to... Uh, that's Apollo Creed. Of course, uh, Carl Weathers passing away at the age of 76. Rest in peace, sir. And uh, one of my favorite Rocky movies, by the way. Rocky Four. Rocky Four, right? He gets in the ring before he actually dies in the in the movies, which is kind of that's, that's kind of that's kind of rough, but whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't think. Uh, and look, Dolph Lundgren's a nice guy in real life. Numbchuck, he is. He's a nice guy. Folks, have a great weekend out there. The TC Martin Show coming away live every weekday, two to four. 
p.m. right here in the airwaves of KSHP. And follow at the tcmartinshow.com. Great content, great past interviews. Head to the website to check all of that out. The Doctor, T.C. Martin, back on Monday. Back on Tuesday. My mistake. Uh, Great uh, tribute show for all the Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again in a few days.